0: Curiosity is also a state of staying aware and in flux. So, you know, I'm not even certain about what's going to happen in this conversation. And that's okay. It's a freedom. Curiosity is also a freedom because you don't have to know. This is
1: Evolve CPG, a community of purpose driven, sustainable product brand leaders who not only believe in better, but actively pursue it. I'm your host, Gage Mitchell. And today we're discussing the power of curiosity to build stronger connections with your team. Our guests, Linwood Paul and Matt Demora, are co-founders of Subtle Distinctions, where they cultivate thoughtful leaders from the inside out. Man, and Linwood, thanks for joining me for this conversation. I know that yeah. these days that we're living in are kind of strange right now, right? With the political landscape, with COVID, with all the stuff that we're all dealing with as leaders. And of course, it's always important to have connection but of course when we're as isolated as we are and when we're as stressed out as we are and when we're burning the midnight oil so to speak by trying to deal with taking care of kids and homeschool and work and keeping up with our clients and trying to learn new technologies like there's just a lot on our plates right now I've noticed that you know like when you're not going into an office or something like that every day it's a little bit harder to keep those connections up. So I know you picked the topic of curiosity as a very timely one about curiosity and and building connections, even when there are disagreements or high emotions. So I'm curious to learn more about how you advise your clients to keep those connections alive.
2: Thanks so much, Gage. I really appreciate you having us. And I'm going to actually toss it over to Linwood as I'm going to self-proclaim him the curiosity king. It's, (laughs) It's a concept that was, I don't want to say brought by Linwood, but it's something that he's held at the core of his being and and his coaching strategy for over 30 plus years. So I'd love to have him really dive into it because I feel he's got an authentic base in which to speak from on curiosity.
0: Thank you both. And Matt, when you said throw it over to me, I was kind of amazed. And when you talk about, you know, now more than ever, Gage, more and more and more are on our minds. One of the interesting byproducts of more and more and more is that some stuff slips our minds. I mean, the fact that my lady is taking our grandson to school at noon and I parked my motorcycle in the driveway didn't register with me because I had this call and the things that were going on in the morning time and no, on my mind. So part of connecting is also letting go hmm. of some things and allowing the top priorities to remain at a place on the desktop, if you will, where they can be accessed and don't, you know, don't become stumbling blocks. So, that leads me to when Matt introduced or said he wanted, he was going to give it to me because I'm some sort of curiosity maestro or expert or whatever. The thing that came to my mind immediately was why is he doing that? And what am I going to say? And how am I going to start off such an important topic? And then the joke was, aren't that, isn't that being curious? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> it's like, like nice. why this, how that, different. how come that? That's like, isn't that being curious? So I guess it is a, I don't guess anymore. Thank you both. <laughs> I'm curious in way you think I'm a, curious. It, yeah. I'm curious about why you think I'm curious. And you know what curiosity does as it relates to connection, it keeps things fresh. It keeps things open. It keeps things, it keeps possibilities available. Mm -hmm. As soon as I think I know something and that's the way it goes, that's what I'm going to be trying to conform the things that are in that category to produce or provide or to, uh, that's the way they have to go. That's the way they need to turn out. So curiosity keeps things fresh The other thing that I was thinking about immediately, because curiosity is also a state of staying aware and in flux. So, you know, I'm not even certain about what's going to happen in this conversation. And that's okay. It's a freedom. Curiosity is also a freedom because you don't have to know. So many of the people that we coach and actually being a coach Folks go into communications with other human beings and they think that they have to know something or they have to bring something specific or they have to solve a problem and they think they know what that problem is. And it makes things hard. It makes things kind of already starting to form and gel like quickcrete, you know, that quick drying concrete. And so, curiosity just keeps things open and available so that the organic or natural or spiritual or ethereal... Things can come about in a person's life. It's nice. like um, it might even be considered the opposite of pressure and noise, that kind of freedom to just yeah. roll with what comes up because of those possibilities. So I'm sure the people who are listening want to know, ooh, how do I do that? Because, you know, the butter in my refrigerator is hard. You know, the the energy in my life, I have to do this and I have to do that and I have to do that. One of the fun ways that Matt and I open up some of our work is we ask people. So with this time that you're on a Zoom call or when we were in the room or wherever we were able to be with people back in the day, we'd say, we want you to answer two questions for us. What What is it that you don't get to do because you're here? And most people can speak into the analysis and what they gave up and their next best alternatives, and you know, all that sort of thing. And then the second question is, What don't you have to do because you're here?
1: <laughs> nice, yeah, and out. so it
0: gives a perspective of both of those. Yeah, there's something that you don't get to do, and there's something that you don't have to do. So, all of those things, when you're talking about curiosity and connection, all those things come into play.
2: Something that came to my mind, Gage, while Linwood was sharing, was that Oprah Winfrey has this saying that. After 37,000 interviews of interviewing Michael Jackson and Barack Obama and every major celebrity and superstar in the world, that through all of those, she's learned one main thing, and that's everyone wants to be seen and everyone wants to be heard. That's their thing. And so, drawing that back to curiosity, curiosity only comes through inquiry. And when someone inquires, that elicits that seen and heard mechanism than that person because they're asking me a question and I'm able to express myself and my feelings and my viewpoints and my opinions. And therefore, that satiates in that person that desire to be seen and heard. So that is at the core of a fundamental need in all humans. After 37,000 people, Oprah said that's all everybody truly wants is to be seen and heard. And inquiry satisfies that deepest need in a human. And that creates the connection. And then once the connection is made, then there's a mutual understanding and there's a much more grounded and, and dare I say, loving place in which somebody can create from or speak from or have a discussion around. That's what came to my mind. And then the second thing that came to my mind was, and this is where I thought you were actually going to be speaking from, Linwood, is a lot of times throughout a day, we probably ask this one question the most to others, and that's, how are you? And oftentimes, that question is responded with another question, how are you? Or probably one of the five, great, fine, okay, busy, tired, probably one of those, okay, I'm well. And those are kind of stock knee-jerk reactions but in a way that we have created a culture of when that's asked when we're around people and then when we ask others we are creating a much deeper and richer experience and a a form of connection through a mechanism that's already being used 10, 15, 20 times a day. And that's really remaining curious, like, how are you? I'm actually genuinely interested in knowing how you are. And if you don't necessarily have to give me all the details, you could say, I'm feeling overwhelmed today, or I'm feeling excited, or I'm thrilled, or I'm anxious, or I'm nervous without having to go into the actual reasons. But now that I know that you're a little bit anxious, I can more authentically honor where you're at and adjust any of my interactions or communications with you. So just even the simple practice of stopping and checking, and by the way, that how are you forces you to also check in on how you're doing because most people are running around and they're so disconnected to their feelings and their emotions because of their focus of outward stuff. That, that also focuses them to get a little bit more connected to themselves.
0: You're actually in that inquiry in its depth and in its rigor, meaning to stop and pay attention and to ask that person to look. You know, I'm not just saying, how are you as a cultural thing? I want to know. How are you? It asks them as Matt, if this is another way to put what you ended up saying just now in that last part, Matt, you're asking them to be curious as well about mm. themselves. Because all too often, folks are looking at the interpersonal and not the intrapersonal. And so, there's communication and connection that takes place out there. And then there's communication that's inward. And both of them are are equally as important. Going back to your Oprah story, the other thing that Oprah said was that everybody that after she's done with the interview, asks asks her the very same question. Everybody. And that question is, how did I do? How did I do? So there is an anxiousness that you talk about, and there is a self-doubt, and there is a need for an intrapersonal curiosity as well that creates the connection of the self-awareness. And then, what what do we talk about, Matt, all the time? The three pillars: self-awareness, self-mastery, social competence, and leadership presence. In that order, I before we before all. Start with the I. Curious about myself. How am I doing right now? How am I feeling? what is this mood that I'm in? How did I get here? And then coming from that place and sharing with people where you're coming from and where you are, and then going into inquiry about how they are. And that's what creates the connection, the I before we. I know who I am. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm bringing right now. And one of the things that I want to know about in this moment is you. And when I can make the bridge between those, that's the connection. And then from that place, we can get on to this thing you all were talking about earlier, which is to be productive. So, all those bits and pieces come in.
1: Yeah, when this uh, topic was brought up with curiosity and connection, I hadn't necessarily thought about it as the intrapersonal side of curiosity too, but that makes sense that especially with everything that everyone's going through right now, taking a pause every once in a while and asking yourself how you're doing or why you feel that way or why you're tired or stressed or exhausted a good way to not only understand yourself, but to have a better answer when someone asks, how are you? Instead of Mm -hmm. knee-jerk reaction saying like, living the dream or doing okay, or hanging in there or whatever, you might actually Mm -hmm. have a more meaningful answer. And then therefore, as a leader, you'll model a more vulnerable behavior of of giving Mm a best answer instead of just a default, let's move past this answer.
0: As human beings, a favorite phrase that pays for us is uh, human beings are always and already in the middle of something always and already in the middle of something. Human beings can't get out of their own way. I mean, when you wake up in the morning, you woke up, I, there's the I. And we're not gonna get all Freudian and stuff with the I and the ego and the id and all of that jazz, but to separate myself from everything else cannot be done because I have a structure of interpretation. I have a blueprint. I have a way that I see the world the more focused and the more knowledgeable I am about what that is, I can recognize not only that the worry and the stress and the things that you mentioned, Gage, the, the, that create what the, the now more than everness of things, it may not even be accurate. It may not even be so. There may be a self-imposition based on our structure of interpretation that creates those emotions because you know we're always choosing how we respond to life. And that's always, always, always coming out of the way that we see things. So the more you know about that, and the more curious you are about that, the more successful you'll be in the I domain, and then moving into the we domain, curiosity will be even more precious and luscious and tasty and successful. So, there's another I, I use some terminologies now, the I domain and the we domain, we just mean where that world is, the I world and the we world of the connection that we're talking about today.
1: So, one question I have is, since maybe a lot of people out there were used to like bumping into people at the proverbial water, water cooler and having a chat, now that there's no accidental bump into people, everything has to be pre-planned and scheduled and technology friendly or something like that during this crisis pandemic. How are you advising clients or how would you advise people to stay connected, like intentionally reaching out, finding ways to make those connections and being curious through you know, technology platforms?
2: I'm going to approach the answer, Gage, from a slightly different perspective. So, if this is not the direction that you were looking for, let me know And I would say that taking a step back is there has to be the authentic desire to truly connect. I feel that sometimes there is a a connection environment that we speak a lot into these days, especially now as we're getting more connected with technology, but we're getting physically more disconnected. And it's just to really understand where does that desire for connection come from? And what is the need for that connection? I think a lot of times as technology grows, we actually become more disconnected. So, I'm going to go against the grain. I'm a little bit old school. But as it relates to connection, I go back to some of the older mechanisms, which is just if you really want to have a relationship with somebody, maybe that can start through the more technologically advanced platforms. But take that offline and give that person a call. I mean, if we really want to have deep connection, and I think that what we are trying to do is we're trying to we're focusing on how technology can can be leveraged in order for us to connect faster and deeper. But in that process, we're I think losing a lot of the original intention, which is how do we really want to connect? So I like having the technology options as the pool to be able to find out who we truly want to connect with, then in a way that makes sense for that relationship if that you know it's like mm-hmm. i'm going to use a very bad analogy but a dating app right mm-hmm. let's yeah. use the dating app to find the person then then i want to have a relationship off the dating app and i feel like that's where the work stuff is going because ultimately you can connect and have zoom happy hours and you can hang out and you can set your computer up and you can do a virtual yoga class and this and that but that is to me that's still hitting the surface and that's why i stepped into the conversation or into the question from a, from a perspective of like, how do you really want to connect? And is this something that we're just saying we want to do? Because ultimately, if someone, in my opinion, this is just my personal opinion, if someone truly wants to connect, they can pick up the phone and, and connect with somebody or they can write that person an email and say, "Hey, I would really like to have a conversation with you. And it doesn't have to be as complicated as we're making it. So I don't know if that's a, a very indirect way of, Answering your question, or if I answered it at all, but that's what I have to say on that.
1: Yeah, no, that's interesting, and I guess a follow up question to that would be: What do you feel like people gain from a, a phone call that they don't get from a Zoom, or vice versa?
2: And and maybe it, maybe I'm I'm just saying a more intentional connection. So if you want to connect with a Zoom, great, but it's something that I'm taking the time. I'm initiating the conversation, I'm scheduling a connection point, whether it's through a conversation over the phone or Zoom, but it's something that is requiring an effort on my side, and, and scheduling, and, and this and that—that's demonstrating. Hey, I really want to connect in with you, Gage. It's not just like, hey, join this virtual happy hour, and this and that. And I'm going to come and see what you know, what shows up. I might connect into you there and say, hey, Gage, let's set up appointment, you know, offline to to really kind of dive into things. That's typically how I work, but ultimately, that's what I have found. Folks who are really looking for connection that they're really getting their cup full from that
1: avenue. That's interesting. So I'm going to flip it around on you two and, and ask Please. as a dynamic duo that's constantly got projects going. And also, you two need to be able to have this like great dynamic of bouncing back and forth and working together, right? So how do you two mm-hmm. keep connection alive and stay curious with each other when you're These days, at least, rarely in the same room.
0: I'm going to take a word from what Matt just said and really kind of walk up one side and down the other if I can in a way that makes sense. And that word was intentionality. We were originally as human beings, you know, we were in herds. We were in packs. We, you know, we we, we survived because we, we were there you know, the whole wolf tribe thing that so many people are thinking about. You know, that's how we are. Man is a social being. And so, lots of folks are caught up in, you know, you know, there's so much lost when we're not in person. This Zoom thing isn't really doing it. And, you know, and that kind of, that energy rolls downhill. It's, it cascades kind of off on us. So, when I say intentionality, I mean, it's not that Everybody has the answer for themselves within themselves. Because as coaches, we oftentimes have to make distinctions and point to things that people didn't. That people didn't think of. Here they hear we hear their stories and then we reflect what it was that they said and ask them if that was accurate. And they go, "Huh, maybe not." Well, what else could you do? What would be helpful right now? And how can I assist you to have that take place? So, it's not that the answers are all in them, but what I'm pointing to in intentionality is suppose you started off with this whole non-in-person thing and you ask yourself, why is it better in person? For me, why do I think that it would be better in person? And then, what do I want to get or what do I get out of being in person with another human being? Now, we've got more information about ourselves. Back to that interpersonal curiosity. We're connecting with ourselves. And then, how can I produce what it is that I really want? now that i know what it is that i want because of how i see the importance of being together and if you do that drop down curiosity menu you can have more information about what works for you so is it a phone call is it an email is it a put on a mask and drive across town and be in their space whatever it whatever it might be so the intentionality of it it will separate will help to separate or maybe it's the antithesis of this conversation gauge and disconnect from all the pressure and noise that's out there, that's driving us to believe that it's not as good what we're doing right now.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And to your question, Gage, Matt and I are having a blast doing this. A blast. I'm, you know, It's like, you know, what are we missing? Well, I don't see the bottom half of his body that often, <laughs> but I know it's there. <laughs> and so we're having, in my opinion, and Matt can speak to his experience, I'm having a fabulous time interacting with Matt through this process. We just get on the call and we're, you know, two hours, three hours, four hours later, we're still there. And we get to go to the bathroom and make snacks and take bio breaks and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, okay, so there's no water cooler, but the water cooler gauge in, that you referred to earlier is a default mechanism. Mm-hmm. It's just there. A lot of times we're bumping into people at the water cooler and sharing things that we, people we don't want to see, sharing things that we shouldn't be talking about. So, you know, there's that. Yeah. You know, and then when we're on a call and I'll I'll end this run with this. When we're on a call and there's people in four different countries on that call, I say to myself, this couldn't even happen without a whole lot more effort that I and they probably don't want to go through the planes and the accommodations and the this and the that's and the others. So, when they say brave new world, I'm kind of ready to agree. It's kind of cool.
2: Indeed. I'll throw in my two cents gauge. And this is a precursor. And I think this is an important note to mention. One is that when Linwood and I established our relationship, we knew that in order to do the work that we want to do and the impact that we want to have, it was vitally important for us to have a very, very, very firm and grounded and completely open, honest, transparent, and radically honest relationship with each other. So we spent a lot of time in the beginning and continue to do so each day, developing our relationship. And so that for us has been established as a prerequisite. So, that's something that we hold as a very high value and a priority to us. So, I feel that's why we're able to still transfer our job and and our connection to this platform because we've already committed to making anything that we need to work. And and, and whether that be a friendship or a, a colleague, it might not be as easy potentially. But I just wanted to point out that that's a... I feel a, a huge contributing factor to the notion that we can continue to go and whether it's over the phone or text messages or FaceTime or whatever, that we have chosen that no matter what, this is something that we're committed to is our relationship. So that is, a, I feel, a big and important precursor for people to transfer their relationship that they once had potentially with somebody in person more to online and how that determines its success or not. So, that's one thing. The other thing that I wanted to point to is that, in general, there's five currencies that we can expend. We can expend a cost output, a time output, an energy output, an effort output, and a focus output. In my mind, as those currencies increase in value, meaning that we have to give more of our time, of our effort, of our focus and our energy. We're going to want to have more in return. But what ends up happening today is that those currencies are intended to... We try to always bring them down for everybody. Oh, join our free webinar. Don't worry. It's only 15 minutes. You can do it in the car. There's not going to be much energy for you and effort. And by the way, you can be doing this while you're hanging out at your kid's soccer game. So we try, because of the amount of material and stuff that's presented, we try to position it and package in a way that doesn't take much from people. And ultimately, I think what ends up happening, and I will draw the analogy back to this connection piece, is that we don't then expect as much because we don't have as much stake in the game. Right? So it's like, hey, do you want to hire a personal trainer? Well, he's going to be five bucks an hour. And so you're going to be like, well, that's fine. I'm going to cancel my session. I'm going to sleep in. It's just five bucks, whatever. If you're paying $350 an hour, your nutrition's going to be on point. Your sleep's going to be on point. You're going to be there 15 minutes early. You're going to be form rolling afterwards. You're going to be doing your side workouts. Why? Because you have $350 at stake. So how does this all correlate to connection? The more effort that we have to put into connecting, that means we're going to actually, we're valuing that connection more And that we are going to want to get the most out of it. So, I think we're stuck in this paradox where as we try to make everything super, super easy for people via other forms of technology, via other ways of connecting, we're actually making it easier for them not to connect. So… That's a little bit of my viewpoint on how we're training people actually not to connect through convenience.
0: It's kind of like, Matt, you know, uh, here's a new phrase that just came up in my mind, Matt, and we might have to take a look at how we could expand this out, uh, gauge to the, you know, evolved community. We are anesthetizing rigor. We are anesthetizing rigor with all of this stuff. It's like, oh, gee, you know, old school Mm -hmm. back in the day. We didn't have this and that and that and this and this and that and the other. We're kind of like falling asleep at the wheel about what it takes to, you know, before there was a wheel. You know, when you look at things like honesty and candor, those things can be moved to a place that take precedent over familiar and easy and methods that don't take focus or concentration. And, you know, with all these guys that are taking a look at what's happening to the human brain because of the devices that are in people's hands and what have you, there's no doubt that we need to be really, really careful with how we're using our cash, time, energy, effort, and focus and what's kind of gobbling us whole. And, you know, when you move to something as interesting as the polyvagal theory or, you know, dealing with our nervous system, you know, people are all, what is it called? Neuroception. People are always detecting and most of the time without awareness. So they're looking out into the world and trying to figure out how's this going to work for me? And how's this going to go? And, you know, and the interesting part about neuroception and the nervous system is that its job is to keep you safe. And sometimes safe is not what's required. You know, when you talk about connection, when you talk about curiosity, safe is not part of that program. It's really about having happen what you intend to have happen, which is connecting. And sometimes that's messy. Sometimes curiosity is messy. And all too often, I'm going to steal your phrase, Gage, now more than ever, people are just getting a little bit lazy, if you will, and I'm not trying to hurt any feelings, but people are just getting a little bit lazy about going about what they already know and what they already believe will make their condition better. They're just not getting to it. So, you know, intentionality, what was that original? Oh, anesthetized rigor. Got to watch out for that stuff. Some of this stuff takes work, and the work needs to be done. And it's just that simple. Not easy, but that simple.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. What What's coming to my mind for this is that I think social media makes us feel like we are connected, and therefore (laughs) we kind of turn off our intentionality and our effort and our brains, thinking, "Well, I already know what's going on with that person. Why should I pick up the phone and call them? Because I've read all their posts, right?" But in reality, we're only seeing. A tiny sliver of what gets put out there and more often than not that's not the authentic world that's the person trying to look like they've got their shit together and that they're calm and successful and whatever and most people aren't putting out all their challenges on social media or even if they are there's not like a meaningful way to engage in it other than like a heart or a hug icon or reaction or something like that so i think breaking free of that idea that we are connected with people just because we're quote unquote connected to them on social media and being more intentional about reaching out, I think is a, a great starting point.
0: I've never heard this phrase before. If somebody else has coined it, I'm not stealing it because I've never heard this one before. How about calling it on social media?
1: Yeah.
0: You know, it's on social media, you know, I got a billion followers. Well, how many of them do you know? (laughs) It's like 12. (laughs) Just because numbers are being driven by electronical bits and pieces floating around in the world and bumping into us all, by the way. But we won't go down that rabbit hole of all the the signals and energies that are flowing through our world. But, you know, it's not what it cracked up to be. I remember when it first came up, people were asking, I think it was back in the Bill Clinton days, you know, what about about this internet thing? You think it's going to (laughs) work? Probably not. You know, and it was supposed to give us more time and more opportunity to be social and connect and all that jazz. And now it's stealing the time. It is where the time is going. So Matt, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. The stakes are in on some level with your original question, Gage. This, it's great that the stakes are going up. You know, maybe it's going to take a little bit of pain to pay attention. What do I really need? What do I? How do I really see connection? How do I see curiosity? How do I see myself? How do I see these people that I call myself wanting to socialize? What am I getting out of it? How can I go about that? What are my needs and wants and how am I getting them satisfied? You know, that kind of curiosity wouldn't be a bad thing. That makes sense. One question that's just coming to mind
1: right now is, it's one thing to take ownership of your own intentionality and curiosity and you know, try to build those connections with your, your partners, your team members, your family or whomever. But in leadership positions, often we have teams of people who you obviously don't have full control over, right? And sometimes maybe they are having confrontations or maybe they're getting heated emotionally or maybe they're just like not connecting with each other. So beyond maybe modeling more vulnerability and honesty and openness... In your own behavior, what do you feel like are the best practices for getting your team members to also engage in curiosity, and intentional connection with their
0: coworkers? You and I do this all the time, man. If there's four seconds or five seconds, <laughs> there's air in the room. <laughs> Somebody take it. Did you have something, Matt? Because something popped up in my mind. No. Sure,
2: start it out.
0: Okay. Okay. So, so Gage, we have these three things that we do. People talk about finding time, making time. And we say taking time. You don't find time. Everybody gets twenty-four seven, and maybe that's the ultimate equalizer. Everybody gets twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week. You can't buy it. You can't manufacture it. There's no mines on any continent in the world that you can go find more time. Yippee! You can't make time because if somebody could produce it, they would be doing that and they would probably outsell all of these other cats that we've been talking about that are billionaires. So it's about taking the time. And when I say take the time, I mean taking the time to do something. So with respect to your question, Meetings, for example. How do you start a meeting? You know, when you've got a 60-minute Zoom call, I'm just going to go Zoom because that's where a lot of meetings are happening or Google Meets or whatever the mechanism is, and you got 60 minutes and you have X amount of content that you want to get to. Do you take the time to connect before you get into your content? Matt and I say all the time, connection before content. Because if you slow down and you take that eight minutes and you actually take the time to ask the question, how are you all doing? What's going on in your world? Does anyone have any news and goods to share? What's going on new in your life? What's going on good in your life? How are you? Take that time. It will create a deeper connection and watch what happens to the speed and the depth of the content as it is received by your team. So, my answer to your question is initially, Gage, is take the time to connect because you have it. I mean, we were on a Zoom call the other day and we had one hour and we didn't get into our content till 18 minutes after the hour. And I'm sure that a lot of people who run teams would sweat that. Oh my God, that's a third, 20, 40, 60. Not to mention that they're not going to get any bio breaks in this hour. <laughs> twenty-four. That's a third of our time together. And yet, what happened was, because that connection was deepened by that initial taking of that time, when we finally got to the content, woo! it was a breeze and it was quick and they were ready to hear and there were no blocks to listening, of which we've come up with 12 so far, and away we went. I dare to say a couple of tissues came out to dry some eyes which means that the connection was made and that, um, going back to Matt's comment earlier, people were heard and seen. Intimacy, intimacy, absolutely. When people are seen into, then something happens and that team can solidify and they can get anything done. If you believe it to be so, President-elect Joe Biden say the other day, you know, that we can get anything done if we do it together. And that's just part of the mix.
1: I've served on quite a few boards. And I remember on one of the boards, there were a handful of busy people who just didn't want to spend the time on connection. So they came up with the mullet rule, which is business up front, party in the back, where you can get all your work done. And then those who want to connect can stay over for pizza, beers, you know, coffee, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever you want, and just have conversation and connect a little bit more. And those who have to get going can get going. But I always felt like that was an awkward way of starting a meeting because you just dive straight into the business. Like I'm sitting there across the table wondering how people are doing, but we've got to be just talking about the bullet lists on the agenda. And then you save the party for afterwards. So I personally love this idea of the connect before content. But for people who, let's say, they have a hard stop or they have super full calendar or whatever, how do you convince them to put that connect? before the content. Well,
0: here's what here's what happens gauge. In the initial stages of that, it takes too long for the high D's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it takes too long for the reds and the inside transfer in the inside color wheel. For the driver driver types, it's too much initially. But here's what happens. When you do that over time, it gets more efficient. Now you've got a process that works and it's efficient. So, at Meeting six or five or four, it's okay. We're going to take 60 seconds to connect in, guys. Ready? Click, start the timer. And you start to train that brain to connect before content in a way that's efficient, which solves the efficiency puzzle. Oh, we're doing that efficiently. And over time, they'll find that they'll actually get more done because they'll be listening deeper and with more connection than they were if they were just doing it. Initially and off the top. The other thing, remember, when human beings are always in the middle of something, when human beings are time crunchers or they are high drivers or whatever they choose, that's because of how they see the world. And they're getting something from that. They go home too and look at themselves in the mirror and wonder, you know, why are my eyes so bloodshot and why am I not sleeping these days? And, you know, when they go home behind that last door, there's still a human being. So, those organizations that we found that pay attention to the human being, even though there's hard stops and all of that other stuff that you pointed to, get more done more efficiently after a period of connecting as a thing too.
2: So, I'm going to go back a few steps, Gage. I'm going to answer your first question as well with oh. my perspective. And one is, so you said you'd mentioned The leadership or whoever that might be could be modeling it, but what happens if there's others in the organization? How do you extend that out? Mm -hmm. I would make sure that you always have the box checked, which is you've created that as a way of being, and it is an expected way of being in the culture, in the way we treat each other. And culture is also a funny word that we don't necessarily have to dive deep into that, but in our experience, culture is really how you treat somebody, very, very simply, how you treat somebody. So is it established? That this is a an intended desired outcome within the culture to have this type of engagement of curiosity and connection. Because if it's not, you can be modeling it all day without them having a a container to fit that behavior in. So you want to let people know what you're modeling and then model it as opposed to just model it without letting them know why you're modeling it. And I think oftentimes what we do is we model things thinking that people are going to be brilliantly keen observers and they're going to put all this information together in their brain and we're not going to have to share with them everything because they're going to figure it on their own. No, they need to be spoken directly to like why it is. And that's in not in a disrespectful way whatsoever as it relates to their education or their self-awareness or any of that. It's simply, there's so many other things happening that we can't, create an environment where people have to guess at anything i think the lack of clarity within organizations is is one of the biggest cancerous agents within an organization is that that there's there's such a, a lack of clarity as it relates to how things are, goals, communication channels. It's crazy. And that's derived from the pace at which I think most organizations are running at that. And that's also then a result of either not having systems and processes in place, not having their true North Star in place, but it's a trickle down effect. So, taking that all the way back upstream, I would say making sure that there's clarity around that. I wanted to share also. Something that Linwood and I have come up with that is a very amazing tool. We call it the path to curiosity. And it's something that, as you were saying, if there's others in the organization who are not as open to curiosity, it's actually a tool built to bring that conversation more into the forefront of everybody. So, I just want to go over that real fast in terms of what that could look like. So, the path to curiosity is a cyclical set of five questions that draws out where somebody's at, how somebody's feeling, and what they need as it relates to support around that. So the first question that can, now this can be applied to any business or personal or any environment. The beautiful part of these questions is it's, it's applicable to basically any aspect of life. And the first question is, how do you feel about that? So you could share anything with me, Gage. So for example, here, we're talking in a, in a business environment and this person's not very receptive to a certain aspect of what we want to bring about in this desired culture, we'll call it. So Gage, how do you feel about that? Well, you know, blah, 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 blah. I'm not just, I'm not really buying into this whole touchy feely thing of connecting. Excellent. So now I'm gathering intel from you so that I can get out of my own structure of interpretation as it relates to the assumptions and the belief systems that I'm putting on you because of why I think that you don't want to express yourself. And I'm getting you to tap into it and have a voice and also feel seen and heard. The second question is... Excellent, Gage. Thanks so much for sharing that with me. If you can, would you like to share anything more on that? No. Okay, or yes, and then you can kind of keep discussing. The third question is, so what do you make of all this, Gage? What do you make of this? Now, I'm looking into what your structure of interpretation is around the topic. So, you told me how you feel. You let me know if there's anything else more that you want to share on this. Now, I'm tapping into what are you making of the situation? Oh, well, now it's, I don't really like to do this because, you know, I've done this before with a relationship and it didn't work out. Oh, interesting. So now I'm seeing what you're bringing to this notion of not wanting to participate in this way. The fourth question is, Gage, thanks for sharing with me how you feel about this and sharing with me anything more that you want and letting me know why you're feeling the way that you are by what you're making of this situation. Is there anything that would be helpful for you right now? Yeah, you know what, I actually just need a little bit more time to process this whole thing. And if you could just hang in there with me and keep inviting me into the process. Excellent. How can I help you achieve that is the last question. How can I help you achieve your desire? Now, I'm figuring out what you need from the situation. And I'm actually helping you with that. So I'm here to serve. And then the last question, which is like the sixth kind of question to the five questions of curiosity is, is there anything else you would like to share? Is there anything else that we need to cover? Always giving that person one more opportunity to speak to make sure they empty the tank. And again, then you go back to the top. So, yep, you share that one more thing. Yeah, actually, Matty D, there is one more thing I want to share. You know that time when blah, 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 blah. Excellent, Gage. How do you feel about that? Now we're back to the top. Now we're into the new loop. Then the second question is, if you can, Gage, tell me more about that. Then what do you make of that? What would be helpful right now? And how can I help you with that? And then at the end of that, exhaust it one more time. Gage, is there anything else that you want to share in this? And I just keep going and going until you are dry and you are fully emptied of everything that you want to say. Now, guess what? I've probably multiple action items. I know in in a much, 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 much deeper way why you're feeling the way you are. I'm on a mission of how I can support you and you feel completely seen and heard because I've just been sitting here taking notes and asking you questions. So, this is a tool that we have developed that we have implemented in many organizations as it relates to people to connect individually, connect to leadership within different sorts of planning sessions. They're brilliant questions in our mind that really capture the entire storyline as it relates to the cognitive the affective all the different bodies that are at play it allows you to feel seen and heard we get the pool of information i know your structure of interpretation and now we've got all the information on the table and that's where the best decisions are made is when everything's out on the table we know all the pieces and now we can put the puzzle together together as a collective in the most efficient and effective and we can make the best decisions because ultimately, what most organizations want to know is great. This is all fine and dandy but how is this going to make me more money, right? That's what it comes down to is great the soft skills, the intrapersonal skills, this is fine and dandy, but tell me how this correlates to the bottom line. How it correlates to the bottom line is through all this, we become more efficient, we become more effective, we become higher producing employees, teammates, we have more ingenuity, more imagination, and we get more shit done.
0: It was put really well. in, and If you, if you put all that to, down into… That was great, Matt. Thank you. I've that always people. loved that path to curiosity. The first question is an affective question. The second question adds depth to it. The third and for those, remember, Gage, for those people who don't want to go to the feeling side, question three is about what do you make of that? So that hits them in that cognitive space. And then the fourth question refers to their needs and wants. What would be helpful? And then the fifth one is the connector for the network of support. How can I help you with that? And it leads to a thing, Gage, we like to call the pool of shared meaning. And the pool of shared meaning, it, sounds, it goes something like this. Each of us enters a conversation with our own opinions, feelings, theories, and experiences about the topic. This makes up our personal pool of meaning. And when two or more people enter a crucial conversation, meaning something that's difficult or that uh, emotions run high, stakes are high, and opinions vary, we build a pool of shared meaning. Now, here's where the money is. The more we add of each person's meaning, the more information is available to everyone involved and the better the decisions made. That's why a team would do it. That's why a team would take the time to do it. The more information, the more we can get everybody talking, the more we can get everybody's idea on the table co-creatively, we're going to come away with something better than any one person's idea. It's not either or, it's co-creation. One of the words that we say kills a conversation is but. It's not either or. That's a sucker's choice. It's and, the elusive and. Your idea and my idea equals what? That's why I do it. And organizations that do that capture market share because they've talked through this and that and this and that, and nobody in the room is quiet or thinks they have to be. And nobody in the room gets to take over because they can't.
1: And with those connections, they've built. They're more able to deal with confrontation in a healthy way, right?
0: Yeah, not kind of, actually, because it's there. Well, they say there's two ways that you can tell when someone's not happy on a team. It's either silence or violence. (laughs) They're either quiet or they're forcing their stuff in the pool. And neither one of them you can afford. Or Mm -hmm. let's put it this way. You might think you might be able to afford it, but it's costly.
1: Those are two beautiful frameworks that I think is an awesome point to end episode on. So thank you both for sharing those. Those are super action oriented. I could I even see like cutting some of those tidbits down as like a little bite sized takeaway from this too. So that's super awesome. Appreciate that. Thank you both. All right, All right. Chris. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Linwood, Matt or their company, go to subtle Subscribe to our podcast and YouTube channel for more innovator interviews, expert advice, and leadership discussions. If you like this episode, hit that like button and share it with your colleagues. And of course, send us feedback and ideas for who we should talk to next at evolveatmodernspecies.com and learn about our upcoming online community at evolvecpg.com. See you next week.